0: Hello, and welcome to the Here for Healing podcast with me, your host, Carly Brown. This is a podcast dedicated to the healing journey, using alternative, holistic, and integrative methods to heal from the inside out. I chat with practitioners, patients, and individuals who are blazing their own path to radiant, vibrant health and wellness. I can't thank you enough for being here. Let's get into this week's episode. Today on the Here for Healing podcast, I am joined with Rachel Luna, certified master coach, international speaker, and Forbes-rated top 11 inspiring female entrepreneurs, which I can attest to. I actually have followed your journey, Rachel, since years ago from B-School, actually, which you probably don't even know about. I did Um, not know that. Yes, I've followed your journey for years, and I don't really love the way that we've now connected um, through our healing cancer, both of us. Um, But I am really grateful that we've been able to uh, build a relationship and a friendship through all of this. So I'm grateful that you are here and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. And I could not be more blessed or more inspired by you. Mm -hmm. So please allow me to thank you because you are one of those account. Well, you're one of the people, but the Mm accounts that I follow that I'm I'm just always genuinely happy and I feel good and I feel inspired and I feel um, called to be better by watching your journey. So thank you for that. Oh, you're of course. You're so welcome.
0: That's beautiful. So as we, as we get started here, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your diagnosis. You are a breast cancer I survivor, but I really like saying breast cancer thriver because you yeah. have thrived through this. And so I'd just love to hear more about how that diagnosis came about and and your story navigating that
1: Okay. Well, I like to call myself a thriver and a conqueror. Mm-hmm. I'm a former marine. So when I think of a survivor, I think of someone who just like barely made it out. You know, I think of someone who's like, They didn't just serve. They didn't win. Mm -hmm. They just barely made it out. And to me, I really chose to look at my journey as not even a battle. It wasn't a fight. It was a journey. It was always an opportunity. And as I say that, I also want to be really sensitive. Like that is not to say that there have not been moments even to this day, two years later, where I, I haven't felt anger or frustration or sadness, because all you feel all of that. But let's go back. So picture it, June 2019. I had just come off of my very first large scale event confidence activated. And the journey to that event was filled with so many ups and downs. It was the most stressful time of my life. I was planning this event. And my goal for the event was to fill the room with 500 women. And this is pre-COVID, so it was totally safe to do all of those things. And it wasn't happening. The tickets were not selling. I was under a tremendous amount of stress. I was really stuck in this comparison battle. And that was really frustrating. And it was completely out of alignment for me, a woman who has an expertise and confidence. And by the way, I came to that expertise and confidence, not because I was always confident, but because I was always very insecure and i had to learn how to find confidence within myself i had to learn how to act as if even though i didn't know if i was you know like i didn't know if i was pretty i, I had totally grown get that when i felt pretty but even to this day i catch you know you catch the wrong angle and it's like oh my god is that what i really look like who else sees me looking like that um So all that to say, it was the most stressful thing even to to top off childbirth that I had to do in my life. And the journey to get there was not enjoyable, but the event itself was one of the most memorable things. It was remarkable, honestly. And a couple of days later, I... (laughs) I don't share this part of the story, but I want to mention it because I think it's really important when we talk about healing. It's a part that we don't focus on enough, the emotional um, roots of disease. Mm -hmm. So I had been dealing with a lot of unintentional jealousy and comparisonitis to people in my industry. And I didn't want to be jealous, but I was, and I didn't want to feel resentful, but I felt resentful. And it was just like that combination. And Um, somebody had done something with some footage from my event, like right after and it felt to me like someone else was holding my baby before I got to hold it. Mm. And I remember the day the very next day after the event, you know, I saw footage of my own event being used to promote something else instead of celebrating what my event was. And it felt like someone not only was holding up my baby, but they were putting pictures of my baby up on Instagram. And I remember the sheer exhaustion, do you know, like event hangover or expectation hangover. So it was like the sheer exhaustion of, I had just had this baby. I had just given birth. I was so tired and I just wanted to like hold and love my baby and someone ripped it out of my arms and put it. and so when I saw the the footage of my event being used for something else i cried the hardest cry i felt so betrayed it really now 2 years later i can see like it really had less to do with this person using the footage and more to do with the fact that i was exhausted mm-hmm. And I had been ignoring the signs that my body was giving me for at least two years up until that that event telling me to slow down, take it easy, you're doing too much, you're overworked, you're underpaid, you're all of those things, even though I had a very healthy multiple six-figure business. So (laughs) put that into the mix. So three days later, I'm emotionally exhausted, I'm physically exhausted, I'm laying on the couch, my back was in so much pain. And these are the cues that we ignore, like your body is talking to you all the time. And I had had this back pain before it was this horrible neck and back pain that I'd had many times. And I remember that I used to massage both the front of my chest and my back at the same time, because there was a pulling that was happening. So almost like in. Like I wanted to just cut into my shoulder and try to reach in and massage. And, mm. and I'm massaging the front and all of a sudden I feel this lump. And I was like, huh, what is that? That's not usually here. And I say to my husband, babe, can you feel this? What is that? And he put his hand where it was. And almost as if he had touched a hot pan, he put his hand, he pulled it back really quickly. He said, what is that? I said, I don't know. That's so why I'm asking you. What does it feel like? He's like, no, he didn't even want to touch it again. Mm-hmm. And the look of fear on his face kind of made me think, uh oh, what if this is this? This can't be a lump. Like nobody in my family has breast cancer, but I am also one of those people that does not believe in waiting. I, I like instant gratification. I want answers right away. So I call my mom, she's a, my, my biological mother passed away when I was three, my mom that raised me as my godmother. And that's important for the story too, because sometimes we forget that trauma, childhood trauma, midlife trauma, trauma also can produce disease in the body. If you don't take care of it, if you don't heal from it. Mm-hmm. So I call my, my, I didn't call my biological mother, I called my mother <laughs> and I was like, mommy. I I found a lump. What do you think this is? And she goes, go, go right away, go to the hospital. So I go in for an, literally went to the emergency room, wasn't even playing around with it. And they said, "Um, it's an abnormal cyst. I said, abnormal? Are there normal cysts? Like, what does that mean? And yes, there are. A normal cyst will present as a sack of fluid that is quite translucent. An abnormal cyst will present like a cyst, but there will be like sediments in there, something that they can't quite distinguish. And that's what I had. At least that's what was showing on the sonogram. And they said, we're going to refer you to go, you know, see somebody for more diagnostic. So um, the very next day, I start making phone calls, like I need to get in for a mammogram. They said, you have to see your primary care doctor first he doesn't have any openings for the next six weeks. And then your primary care gives you a mammogram referral. And that takes another three to four weeks. So we're talking like two, three months before I'm going to get even looked at for an answer. And to me, that was just absolutely unacceptable. There was no way on this earth that I was going to sit with a, an unidentified lump Slash abnormal cyst in my chest for two to three months. Like these people thought that they were crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm New York, and I'm very like, I'm loud, okay? I, mean, I know how to be quiet, I know how to be dignified, but this is my health, and I was not going to be dignified and polite about it. No, I was going to be offensive, and I did not care who was offended. This was my life. Mm-hmm. So I get, I start making like phone calls like a mad woman. And I do schedule the follow up appointment that the way that they said, right, like, so here's the thing, I followed what they said to do, but I did more than that. Mm-hmm. I didn't just sit and wait. And uh, um, a friend of mine had suggested that I go in for thermography. And I was like, great. I'll do it. I can book that myself. I'll pay. And this was the other thing. I was like, I will pay for it myself. I'm not trying to even wait for you people to approve it because who knows when that's going to happen. So I go in for a thermography. I point, I hold the little pointer at the lump and I'm like, they're going to tell me it's nothing. And they tell me inconclusive. It was like in the middle, right? There's like a little chart that says like nothing to be concerned. Come back in a couple months. Uh, something, uh, not quite sure. It's not nothing, but it's not something basically was where it landed. That's
0: terrifying.
1: <laughs> whatever. So, but, but I'm so glad that, that the thermography said that because if it had said nothing come back in a couple months, I don't know that I would have been as aggressive, but because it came back with, not nothing, but not something that was not enough for me. So I was like, not nothing, not, not uh uh-uh. uh somebody somebody's going to see me. Yes. So I just called every day until they agreed to let me come in. And an advocate it. for your health. You have to be, you have to be. So I get in, and the doctor says, Um, well you're young. You don't have any history. You don't have any markers. Uh, we could just wait and see and have you come back in three months. And I looked at him and I literally was like, we could just wait and see. I said, are you crazy? I said, you are out of your mind. If you think I'm leaving here without you ordering some kind of diagnostic for me. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Oh, you haven't had a mammogram. And this is when I knew Carly that our medical system in the United States is trashola because the i said what do you mean haven't i had a mammogram you have my chart in front of you i clicked the box i haven't had a mammogram sir pull your head out your butt and get me in scene like i thought was think about yeah. the apology with the head like bursting up mm-hmm. that's what was happening mm-hmm. so i get it They schedule me, I said, I need to be seen immediately. So they schedule me the next week, thank God, across the street to the Hill Breast Center. And I go there and they have like better diagnostic ultrasounds, right? So there's a difference. And this is important too. I don't think we talk about this enough. There's a difference between an ultrasound and an ER where it's kind of topical, Versus an ultra, a diagnostic ultrasound at a specialization center, right? So the Hill breast center is just, they are, they exist to diagnose. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do the screening and the routine, but they exist to diagnose. So as soon as they put the ultrasound and, and I look over, I can see it just didn't look right. 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 You know what I mean? Like, you just know if you're listening to your body, if you're really paying attention, you just know.
0: So, did you have intuition going in? Do you think? No. Or, or, going okay.
1: In, going okay. in, I was like, they are going, and I, I'm a woman of faith too. So, I was like, going in, like, actually, that's not true. Okay. I'm a woman of faith. So, going in, I wanted to believe that it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, I held on to that hope and that spirit, but going in, I knew something was not right. Right. So, this is the nuance. Yeah. This is the nuance of: Are you really listening, or are you so full of hope and faith that you're ignoring the the signs? And I think that, especially as a woman of faith, you, there's faith and then there's wisdom, and you have to know when. When to use judgment and discernment and wisdom and not just rely on faith. Because if you just rely on faith and you ignore judgment and wisdom and discernment, you're going to find yourself in in a world of of hurt. And then, for those of you that are, if you're Christian or if you believe in God, and, and you're going to have the audacity to say, Well, God, why didn't you warn me? I think God is going to tell you, I did, but you weren't listening to me. I was talking to you all along, my child, and you were ignoring me.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So, um, but here was the tip off. Someone said, and I don't even, I don't want to give too many identifying markers, but someone said the doctor that recommended you is garbage. And if, and, and this is what they said, I don't know what that is, but if you need to come back, you should see this doctor. And I knew right away that they knew it was something. Mm -hmm. because it was the way that it was said. I don't know what that is, but if you have to come back, I knew it was something. So long story short, they do a biopsy. Now, at that time, I did not know about you know, you might not want to do a biopsy because the biopsy comes with certain, everything comes with the risk. Well, you don't,
0: you don't learn these things until you, after you've gone through them, right? I had a biopsy too. And I didn't, I didn't know that puncturing, you know, puncturing a mass could potentially spread cancer. You don't learn these things till afterwards. So you know, yeah, you learn as yeah, you go. You don't know. with you and there.
1: The thing though, is that the way that everything presented on the imaging, if we hadn't done the biopsy, we wouldn't have known what we were working with.
0: Okay. so they needed to do the biopsy to get more information. And that's
1: yeah, because you couldn't tell, right. So Mm -hmm. just looking on the screen, you you didn't know what you were looking at. It presented so different.
0: Well, and even knowing the risks for me, I still felt I have to know with 100% certainty, certainty, if I'm going to give everything I've given to heal this. I need to know what, what I, why I'm doing this. So even, even if I knew the risks, then I probably still would have made that choice. So it's always making informed decisions. It's not, I found that it's not just like, yes, doctor, show me the way and I'll do it. You might still do exactly what the doctor says, but you have to know that there's, um, um maybe like side effects to some yeah. of these things you're going to go through. But if you if you make the decision to do it, then you're doing it as an empowered patient to say, okay, you know, some people think they're going to the doctor says chemo radiation surgery and you're going to come out and you're going to be healed and it's going to be the end of the story. Well, yeah. that's that's a little bit deceitful. Um, yeah. But if we know, okay, I'm going to go through I'm someone's going to make the choice to go through chemo and understand what the side effects will be, then they can go through that with, as you said, wisdom.
1: Yes, exactly. So we did the biopsy and I am very curious. So when they took it out, I wanted to see it. Okay. And I took a picture of it and I remember looking at it and I, I said, huh, so you're going to tell me what's going on, right? Like you're going to tell me my fate basically. Mm. And I just looked at it and I, I knew, I knew what, I knew what this thing was going to tell me back. But I was still I still held on to a lot of hope. And um, they said it'll take about a week. But they called me the very next day. And I was walking my children to the park. And the doctor, the same doctor that told me come back in three months, like, let's wait and see, says, "Um, well, we got your lab results back. And it's invasive ductal carcinoma. And I can't remember what he said after that, because I you know, your world stops. It's like everything, just like you lose your breath, your whole, I can't even put into words what it feels like because everybody feels differently, but this is what it felt like for me mm-hmm. and my kids are there. So I have to like really keep it all together. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. It's like, I had to just keep it all together. And I said, um, wait, it, c- What? And he says, "I said, well, is there a chance that the test could be?" And I didn't even get to finish the sentence because he cut me off. And he said, "No, it's cancer." And I just thought, like, what? (laughs) So I I choke every single tear, and I said, "Okay, well, now what?" And he goes, "Well, now we get you in right away, and you know, we schedule you for surgery." And I remember thinking. Oh, so now you want to move. Mm -hmm. Oh, so now you want to spring into action. Now, remember, I had been given the warning. If if you need to come back, this is the doctor to see. So I forgot to tell you that that same day I went home and I Googled the the doctor that they recommended. And and she had a beautiful degree. Like just everything you wanted your doctor to be, it was her. Mm -hmm. I Facebook friend request her. I sent her a message, I call them, I get on the calendar, like preemptively, I did all these things because I thought, well, if I don't need her, I can cancel. But if I need her, she's hard to get in with. So let me just be ready because I really believe in don't get ready, be ready. Yeah. So I, uh, the guy was like, yeah, come on in. And I was like, okay, sure, have your people call me. But I was like, hell no, I'm not, you're not, you will never see me again, sir. Because if I had listened to you, this could have been catastrophic. Yeah. Long story short, I get in with Dr. Beth. A couple months prior to the diagnosis, look at how good God is or whoever you know you choose to serve. I choose God or I choose to believe in God as my higher authority. Yes. A couple months prior, I love documentaries. And my friend said, I know you love documentaries. You might like this one. And they sent me a documentary called Cancer Can Be Killed. But you can't even find it now. Okay, this is the world that we live in. As soon as good information is out there, you have to spread it as quickly as as can be. And if your friend sends you something, you better watch it right away because you don't know if you're ever going to be able to find it again. So we, my husband and I on a Sunday afternoon we watched this documentary. Dr. Tony from Hope for Cancer is in the documentary. Beautiful. Um, uh, and there, and a bunch of people, it's like all these different ways to heal cancer around the world that do not exist here in the United States and how you don't need to go through chemo and radiation, how you can do all these other things, you know, later, B17 and vitamin C and all the things that you do Carly. And I look at my husband when the documentary is over and I said, baby, if that ever happens to me, pack your bags. We're you know, Cause I'm not doing chemo. I was." allegedly perfectly healthy. When I said those words, it was a very foreshadowing wow. moment. So when the diagnosis came right away, I knew we're not doing chemo and radiation. What am I going to do? And I start Googling, not Googling, excuse me, hashtag searching cancer survivor, triple negative. Oh, cause I find out that it, it's triple negative, the most aggressive form of breast cancer. The tumor itself is is multiplying. I think it was like a ninety three percent. It was either ninety seven or ninety three, something you know, in that percentile. And they,
0: they wanted to book you for surgery, chemo, radiation. Was that what the doctor? Of course, wanted? yeah, okay. of
1: course, of course. Um, but here is the thing. Let's just pause for a second. Over ninety percent multiplication. If I had waited. The three months, this thing would have been everywhere. I can't even think about it. I can't thank you, God. I just give God the glory one more time for discernment, for wisdom, for being an advocate for yourself, for being willing to offend the doctors because you think they know better than you. They should know better than you. This is their, they're the experts. So,
0: but you're the expert on your body.
1: Right. So we go in for the meeting with Dr. Beth, who by the way, is amazing. And she's local to you. She's local to Hey, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, right? I could not understand why God would move us here because I never wanted to live in Florida. MD Anderson is one of the best cancer hospitals in the world, in the States. I live 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes from MD Anderson. Mm. Like, how amazing is that? So, so, she's fantastic. And shout out to the team at MD Anderson because they are wonderful. Right? I I understand like they offered the standard of care. But every every single person that I interacted with, with the exception of one, which was the chemo doctor, were kind and loving and empathetic. And they did not endorse my choice. But they didn't tell me that they wouldn't treat me, right? Like awesome. Dr. Beth is still my doctor; she still sees me. Um, last month, I found that another lump in my breast, and of course, you you panic, right? Your first thought is like, "No, nah, doing all the things." It turned out to be fat necrosis, but Dr. Beth sees me, right? So anything going on here, she's still my girl. And then, I, like you, I have a team of all these other people. The chemo doctor was the worst; her bedside manner sucked. Um, when I asked her, "But what about um, IPT? Can we?" Because I was willing, right? I Which said, "Low
0: dose chemotherapy." Low dose
1: chemotherapy. I said, "I'm willing to do low dose. Can you do that for me?" No, she would not hear anything. I said, "Well, have you read the book Radical Remission?" No. It's like.
0: That's a phenomenal book.
1: (laughs) It's a phenomenal book. I'm like, this is your whole field of study. Why aren't you looking into this? So, long story short, I I look up the hashtag breast cancer survivor. It's grim. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. You see a lot of sick people, but in that, I saw this one woman who looked healthy and she was striving and she had on these pink um, boxing gloves. And it said, no chemo, no radiation in her thing. So I message her. Long story short, she calls me right away. She's like, sis, calls me sis. And she says, here's, here are videos of my story. We went to a place called Chipsa in um, Tijuana and um, her name was Michelle Reynolds, my sister. We did lose Michelle. Um, She She had a more advanced case. And, um, you know, one of my goals in life is to become a multimillionaire so that I can pay for treatment for women in minority communities because she would not get scans because she couldn't afford them. And I feel like if she had been able to get her follow-up scan, we raised a lot of money. We Mm -hmm. raised about um, $15,000 last year for us both to go back to ChIPSA And we couldn't because it wasn't enough. Um, but we did use, we divided that money between the two of us to, for her to get IVs and, and things like that. But it was too far. It was, yeah. you know, it was too far advanced. Um, and that's why when we talk about the Gerson, I know, man, we're close on time already for you, but I hope we could go a little bit over. We're good. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Um, when we talk about the Gerson therapy, which was the modality that she and I both chose at chips. So she told me about chips I go to chips I do the IPT, I do the hyperbaric. So that's the
0: first thing you do. You're with Dr. Beth, and then you decide from there, you go to Chipsa down in Mexico.
1: Correct. Okay, got it. uh, So the first thing I did was I had the lumpectomy to remove, but that was perfect. So we timed it. So this is what we did. And by the way, I was talking to the doctors at Chipsa the whole time. Like it. it was a very collaborative thing. I chose to do the lumpectomy And the port insertion here at Anderson, because my insurance covered all of it, 100%. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm a former Marine, my husband's still in the military, so all that was covered. Mm -hmm. So I tell them at MD Anderson, yeah, I'm going to do chemo, put the port in. I don't tell them, no, I'm not doing chemo but put the port in cause they wouldn't have done it.
0: Cause I'm going down to Mexico for some IVs. Right.
1: Cause I'm going down to Mexico for IVs and <sighs> I wouldn't have to pay for that.
0: And you don't have so, to get poked every day like me for three weeks.
1: Right, I have to get poked every day. Everything was just like, mm-hmm. you know, or had, here I had the port. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. So you had the port put in, you went down to Mexico. Got it. In
1: go Mexico, I do the IPT. I do um, like B17, hyperbaric, vitamin I, you know, IV vitamin C, uh,
0: did they work on the emotional healing there? Yes. Okay.
1: I met with Dr. Eddie, you know, every couple of days we had prayer meetings. We had a lot of classes. So there's tons of them. Then, you know, my husband went with me, so they had classes for the partners too. um, you know, for their, how they can best support and how they can handle their own thing. Cause you know, your partners have their own emotional trauma.
0: And how long do you stay down at Chipsa?
1: Three weeks.
0: Oh, you do through three weeks. So I, I had shared, um, I, I'm very fascinated, as you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, the, the connection between emotions and mm-hmm. repressed emotions and how it expresses physically in, in regards to disease. And so for the thyroid, it was, you know, the emotion of confusion, not being able to share your voice and you know, I we, well. that's a whole, that happened to me, but that's a whole yeah. podcast in and of itself. So with breasts, it's conflict in the home or family. Does that yeah, ring true for you? And mother. especially
1: mothers okay. and it totally rings true. Oh my goodness. Even just right now, I saw another layer mm-hmm. of trauma that I didn't. So uh, there's trauma with all my mothers, right? So like my biological mother actually wanted to abort me. So she didn't even want me from the get go, but my godmother convinced her to have me and then she goes and dies. And so, oh,
0: my goodness. Wow, Rachel.
1: I can laugh now. Right. But I remember going through a phase where I was mad at her for not. Fighting to stay alive, you know. I mean, she had AIDS; that she was going to die. Like, oh how old were high you high. when she passed? I was three and a half. But we're talking about 1983, 1984. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the. Tr- There's no way she was going to make it, right? Uh, especially because she already had a weakened immune system. My father also was HIV positive at the time, but he did not develop full blown AIDS until much later. Mm-hmm. So he lived for um, 15 years. He was more of a carrier. You know, people present as carriers and then as like full on manifestors. So there was that. um, There was resentment with my mom that raised me because I still remember in a fit of anger her telling me, I didn't ask for you. So again, feelings of rejection and abandonment. My father was not really present. So I felt rejected. So I was born feeling rejected. And the rejection was constantly echoed. And then I was, abu- I was molested in my own home and I didn't say anything until I was about 25. And when I told my mother, I mean, she was visibly distraught. She was upset. But then after that, it almost felt like she was trying to like sh- sh- sweep it under the rug. And she would talk to me about my abuser, like nothing regularly. Now that weekend that I, or the week after I found the lump, she and I had gotten into a fight because um, my abuser lived in the same city as the event. And she went to like, hang out. And yeah, at this point, I've done enough forgiveness work. I've confronted my abuser. um, And because I've done so much healing work, I don't condone what he did, or anything like that. But I don't Harbor, like I'll be in the room with you. We're not going to be best friends, but I'll be in the room with you. I'll talk to you. Like I'm a grown woman, you can't hurt me anymore. I wish you would try, you know, because I have a voice now. So come and try to do the things to me now that you did to me then, and let's see how far you get.
0: And I've I've heard of a very incredible definition of forgiveness that you don't. Um, it's not saying that what they did is okay, but you no longer carry a debt towards them for it. Right. And it was be and it, it really just made a lot of sense to me when it said that, like, it's not forgive and forget and all good. Don't worry about it, but I'm not going to harbor debt or ill will towards you because that comes back towards, that comes back to me. That comes back to yeah. harm me. So we can, we can just forgive their debt, but still remember what they've done.
1: And, and to be quite honest, you know, when I confronted him, he apologized mm. And I don't think, I I think that a lot of people, I I don't know, but I don't think that that's common, right? you know, know, to get an I'm sorry. And that's all I wanted. I wanted to be acknowledged that it happened because, you know, you, you don't, as a kid, you start to think like, did I make this up? Was this true? And then with my mother, of course, also kind of acting like it didn't really happen, or maybe I, maybe in some way I instigated it, right? That was, she never said that. But, and there were kind of some things that kind of insinuated that, right? Um, and so he admitted that it happened, and he apologized. And and so when he apologized, I was really able to be like, okay, I'm not crazy. This really did freaking happen, and 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 now it's done. But at the same time, I still don't want to be like keying it up with you, and I don't want my family around you or anything like that. So I told her that. And I said, listen, I don't have a problem with you continuing a relationship with this person. I don't want a relationship with this person. And I don't want you to keep bringing them up. And I don't want you to try to orchestrate these meetings because I'm just, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And she said something like I, it was basically, she wasn't sure if it really happened. And that was really, really painful for me. And I don't think, um, I don't think it's a coincidence that a week later, this lump that was not visible or feelable at all to suddenly manifest. Because from what I understand, and maybe, you know, you could shed some light. I know you've done a lot of research, but from what I understand with cancer, like we all have some of it. It's all concrete and you know, it's all floating around, but then things happen that kind of form cause them to like band together and, and, He's I would say lost. it's
0: these shock. The they're, I've heard it referred to as these shocking events. So they're the things that kind of shock you. They take your breath away. These big, big life experiences, and something like that. And it doesn't. It sometimes it actually doesn't even need to be a big life experience. It can just be how it made you feel in the moment. Right. And this is why I'm going to say something quite bold. But I feel like it's potentially can, should be considered malpractice to not address, to not look at a cancer patient and approach their healing with an integrative approach. Mm -hmm. Because we, there is a time and place for surgery, chemo, and radiation. I I get that. And how do you put someone through all those things, but you leave the traumas in their body and Mm -hmm. you don't support them with nutrition and you don't boost their immune system. And you don't talk to them about lifestyle changes. I mean, I don't know how we, we have an entire industry that's focused on, on three things that, that really um, could potentially harm and poison the body without thinking, okay, now how do we re- rehabilitate this person? And so I think that's like these conversations that I have on on this podcast is like, this is what I'm so curious about was like, what was your journey towards the diagnosis and what do you think contributed to it? How did you go about your healing differently? How has that served you? And I I hear it's all different, but what everyone has across the board was a willingness to go deeper, to look at the hard stuff, to think about their past and look at the trauma, family trauma. And because that stuff is hard, it is so much easier to just show up and, you know, just get things cut out. Like I said, time and place for it, but we must be willing to go deeper than that. And I, and I honor you because that's hard. What you just said.
1: Make no mistake. I was like, cut this thing out right away. And I even said, I said to Dr. Beth, cut them both off. I don't even need them. And she was like, "No, we're not going to do that. You're young. It does not increase your um it doesn't change your mortality rate. It doesn't reduce your risk of recurrence." Like, and she said, "And not only that, it will emotionally traumatize you. And then you won't have any feeling or sensation. So, are you sure?" And so, you know, for those reasons I chose to keep them. I'm now debating whether or not I want to have reconstructive surgery, not to get implants. I would never do that. But just like Carly, you can see me right now, so I'll show you. you see that there are two ships passing. In terms, they look of, great to me. I, <laughs> I mean, thank you. They they reached the bottom of my rib cage. And by the way, I it's it's not the look. It's actually I'm very uncomfortable because they like every time I move, they sort of like flap against my skin. But when I wear a bra, I get lymphedema really bad. Right. And so I'm trying to decide like what. What's the the lesser of two evils so to be determined, but going back to the emotional thing, you know, it was a perfect storm, my diet was crap, I was eating chocolate for breakfast and surviving subsisting on coffee. So coffee and chocolate and cupcakes is like was my diet gluten free cupcakes. Um, I was unhealthy, I was staying up all late at night. It it was too many things, not to mention, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, the water is atrocious, there's fluoride in the water here in this house. And so it was, I'm surprised it didn't pop up sooner. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it took those, those, I think it was those aggravations of bringing my event to full circle, bringing the event, having the trauma with people in my industry, um, And then my mom and I getting into that fight and then waking up the next morning to see like my baby out on front street. It was a perfect storm. And there I was, Yeah. but here I am cancer free. You know why? Because I never, and just like you, I never said, am I cancer? Like, I don't even say, I spell it. I never said it. I never personified. I never took it on as something that was mine. It was a diagnosis. It was something to, you know, heal through. To me, I looked at it as an opportunity. I always ask, what are you trying to tell me? Yeah. What is it that I need to know? What, what do you want me to learn from this? Because obviously I need to learn something and I am here for all the lessons.
0: So, okay, so you went down to Chipsa, you did your three yeah. weeks there, and yeah. I know that you then began the Gerson therapy. So it yeah. was down at Chipsa, you did the low dose chemotherapy, you did uh-huh. all of the immune supportive therapies like B17 and vitamin yeah. C, you did the emotional healing, you probably did like heat therapies. Did you do hyperthermia or anything like they that? No, they don't no. do
1: heat or hypothermia, but okay. even still, I probably wouldn't have done that because there were no active tumors. Okay. Um, when because I you
0: did there. the lumpectomy.
1: Because I did the lumpectomy. Okay. Um, they they only have hyperbaric, um, and then at the time they prior to me going down there, they had dendritic cell therapy, which was one of the reasons why I wanted to go there. Yeah. But when I got there, there was something with their lab that like it wasn't a it wasn't available, so I I kind of missed out on a little bit of that. But it all organic, all vegan, no salt, no oil, no sugar, no nuts, no beans, no seeds. What am I missing? No gluten, no dairy. I think that's pretty. Big. And then the 16, 13 juices a day, five coffee enemas. And so they were
0: teaching you the Gerson therapy there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So they were teaching you the Gerson therapy there. And so then you came home and you, you continued with that. How so how was that going? From-
1: I went there okay. before I went. So remember, Michelle had told me about the Gerson therapy, and it was about a month from when I found out that I that there was a tumor to when I was going to have the surgery and be able to get down there. So it was one month, and I became a vegan overnight. Like I got the diagnosis, I was like vegan. It is, you know. <laughs>
0: I did the same Uh, thing. I got a diagnosis and I was like, yep, I'm, I eat raw now. I I uh, juice and I eat raw. And it was, there was no decision for me. You know,
1: how do I get
0: the most amount of nutrient nutrition into my body with every single thing I put in my mouth? Yeah.
1: Okay. So that wasn't my, my thought. My thought was how do I make sure I don't put any toxins in my body? Mm, Okay. But Mm -hmm. I like the way you said, now, I think I need to make that shift now, because now I don't really put toxins, but now it's like, what I'm eating, is it nutrient dense? That's a better question for me to ask now. But in order for me to make that first transition was, how can I, like, no more toxins can come in, right? So I started right away eating vegan. Um, but I didn't know yet about the oil and the salt. Um, I knew not to eat sugar right away. So I stopped that. When I got on the phone with Dr. Matt at Chipsa, I said to him, tell me what to do and I will do it. And he said, go read the book, Healing the Gerson Way, start doing the thing. So I right away, I got my juicer. I got my book and I just did the best. What juicer? The, the 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 best the pure, the, juicer, pure. the pure juicer the best juicer which I actually
0: know because I ended up buying yours <laughs>
1: yes, yes. And, well that was a whole fiasco I'm so mad at you don't send anything UPS.
0: the, the juicer got a little banged up on the way to me, but, but yes, the pure juicer, which is, um, the, the best cold press juicer, the the best quality juice that you can get, it presses it instead of spinning it. So there's no heat involved. So it keeps all of the enzymes, which is what you want uh, from the producer. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I got the the juicer and remember we had raised that money. I shape. Okay. So IPT, typically you don't lose your hair. Um, I lost all my hair. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they said it's a very, very rare. Did you do IPT? No. mm -mm. Oh, you didn't do it. Okay. mm -mm. Um, So the reason why IPT was recommended for me was because um, triple negative is so aggressive. I mean, it's one of those cancers that it's, it it's so aggressive, and it moves so fast that doing something like the Gerson therapy, you're not going to be able to catch up to it. Right? Right? Like, you have to do something to stop it. And then here comes
0: of, that integrative comes, approach, a little bit right. of, you know, a little bit of holistic melded with the Western and then you, yeah, you have so, a healing, a healing approach.
1: Yeah. And I was very like adamant, I'm like, no, no, no. We need to stop this train ASAP. Right. Um. So, so I did all those things even before going to Chipset. Okay. And I was so like hardcore about it that when I got to Chipset and they had served something, they were serving uh something with like an almond on top. I was like, this isn't gerson. You guys told me gerson, like this is not gerson. I can't eat almonds on gerson. Um. And then I did my own research and I read that like potatoes in particular have some sort of an enzyme that stimulate uh, triple negative. So I didn't want to eat potatoes and they serve a lot of potatoes because the Gerson therapy is very potato heavy. Yeah. And so, it, I mean, it almost became another emotional trauma yeah. to eat this way mm-hmm. and to make this drastic change. So I've since relaxed a little bit. I eat potatoes now. I am now far enough in my healing stage and my labs have looked good consistently enough that I can have some nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, I still don't do oil um, other than flaxseed oil. Um, And I don't do the 13 juices a day. I'm down to uh, four juices a day, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And one coffee enema, although I really listen to my body and this, I'm in a season where I'm playing around with two enemas a day. Just because again, like I've been having a lot of, um, what is it like neuropathy in my fingers mm-hmm. and, um, those are just byproducts of surgery and also three lump- lymph nodes had been removed okay. um, and we had to remove them to make sure to see what we were dealing with, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah.
0: So, so where, what does the day in the life look like for you now? Okay. Maybe, maybe give us like a quick rundown of what a Gerson day in the life looked like and where you are know. now. That'd be interesting okay. to do side by side.
1: Okay. So a, a day in the Gerson life was, oh, it, it's the most work that you're going to do. And so I recommend if you're going to choose that, you need help. If you try to do it on your own, like I did, you are going to, you're going, you're not going to make it uh, emotionally. It's so taxing. So I would wake up right in early, you know, four 35, do my first coffee enema and have my first, I called it my morning stack of like, I don't know, 15 to 25 different supplements that I was taking. Uh, and, you know, Carly, cause you have your own, you know, fat stack.
0: Oh yeah. It's a so big old my, stack.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my first stack would go in and then, um, I would have my first green juice. Um A green juice with potassium, so the gerson therapy is very high potassium, low fat and very nutrient dense no salt, low sodium like you don't want any salt in your diet when you're following the gerson therapy, and to this day I still i don't do salt um at, I try not to do salt at all, but there's not salt naturally occurs in your food by the way so um Then, uh, I would press in the beginning, I was pressing every juice on the hour, which means I was glued to my juicer for the first eight hours of my day. Because as soon as I was done pressing and cleaning the machine and sit down for five minutes, you know, now it's time to cut up my veggies and push them through the thing. And it it was hard. It was very hard. You also have to drink, um, you have to make this Hippocrates soup and making the soup is a whole production too, because it's not just boil a bunch of ingredients. It's like boil the ingredients. Then you have to mill the soup and it's a lot. So you do 13 juices. Oh, okay. So first three juices and my potassium and every hour there's a different supplement to take at 11. I would do my next enema Be done with that, come out. I would have my soup. Oh, breakfast. I forgot to tell you, breakfast is usually gluten free oats with um, fruit of your choice. Um, I could do up to two teaspoons of a natural sweetener a day, like honey or maple syrup. So I like maple syrup for most things, honey for my baked goods. Mm -hmm. And you know, you do the cookies, the medical medium cookies. Yes. Um, Those are the Gerson cookies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those are good. Those and Cruz, are their- my son loves them it's the yeah. banana oats and raisins i think
1: yeah that's and it's so good I, it's my favorite thing um or i would do baked oats is another favorite. like if you feel like you want a bready type of a breakfast um then i started getting really creative and i would make these sweet potato tortillas so the uh, recipe is very simple it's one cup of ground gluten-free oats with one cup of sweet potato, you mix it up to form like a dough. Flatten them out like little tortillas. Press them a couple seconds. They they even inflate like a real tortilla. Yeah. Get it right. So lunch would be the Hippocrates soup, a giant salad with um, apple cider vinegar, regular vinegar, garlic, and flaxseed oil, and makes a delicious little vinaigrette. Sometimes a little splash of fresh squeezed orange juice. Um, and then another juice, either a green juice or a carrot apple juice. So there's, um, two juices that we do on the Gerson therapy. We do a, a carrot apple, um, or you do the green, which is, it's got a lot. It's got, um, apple, um, uh, oh gosh, romaine, excuse me. Let me close my eyes to think apple, romaine, red cabbage, watercress inner, the inner greens of beets, and green leaf lettuce. So it's like six different ingredients. It's very time consuming. Oh, and bell, green bell pepper. So seven ingredients. It's very time consuming to like wash and prep all those veggies. So hopefully what you want to do is on one day, you wash and prep enough veggies for two or three days, so that on a regular day, you just grab the stuff out the fridge, throw them in the juicer and keep it moving. So after lunch, I would do, I would try to get some work done. Um,
0: you my 20 minute window.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I had like little pockets. So to be honest with you, in the beginning, I wasn't working. I couldn't.
0: Right. It, that is a full-time I, job, especially full-time in the beginning as you're learning it and you're getting in the routine. I Absolutely.
1: I could do nothing but this. Um, and then uh, juices, juices, juices every single hour. A lot of it was. Washing veggies or boiling, you know, water for distilling, all of that. And then dinner would be soup, a salad, and then something like a sweet potato stuffed with more veggies or zoodles with roasted um, cherry tomatoes, which, by the way, roasted cherry tomatoes, when you so put good. it in with something that resembles a noodle, if you close your eyes, it gives you the mouthfeel of mozzarella. Try it. Try it. And so then my third, um, somewhat, no, sorry, in between there, I would do another enema. So I would do an enema at 1130 and an enema at 1:30. Yep. Then after dinner, another enema, that would be four. And then at 7 p.m., my final enema. And then the day was done at seven. And you're just exhausted and you pass out. <laughs>
0: I feel all that. I feel, I mean, I looked at, I actually am remembering though, the way we reconnected was through a Gerson Facebook group. Yes, That was, that was how we, we reconnected. But, um, I looked into the Gerson therapy myself and I thought it was either between going down to the Gerson clinic or going down to hope for Mexico. And I, I loved, I mean, the Gerson therapy is really a major detoxification program. Um, And what I also, and and I was interested in that because I'd watched a lot of documentaries about it and I, and I believed in the healing and I believed in Dr. Gerson's teachings. But what I, the reason that I ended up choosing hope for cancer was because of their non-toxic targeted cancer therapies. So -hmm. there were different things that we, that were targeted. So I felt because I wasn't doing the, the surgery or the radiation, I needed something more targeted, like where you had already, you had done surgery and things like that. So maybe you, you needed more of a, a, an overall lifestyle change. So there's, there's different reasons to choose different clinics.
1: Well, to be honest with you, Carly, looking back in hindsight, I probably would, I, I think two things. One, um, Chipsa was a little less expensive. It was about 10, maybe The program that they sent, are we allowed to talk about numbers here?
0: Oh yeah. Go for it. Numbers are helpful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the program that they recommended for me was almost $40,000.
0: At Hope for Cancer.
1: At Hope for Cancer. Right. Yeah. Um, For the three, it was a three week stay. Chips uh, was $30,000. Okay. Excuse me. And I looked at what I could pay and still have money in my bank account to like, so that I wouldn't have to work, right? So that's what I was looking at. At uh, well, if I if I went to Hope for Cancer, I would I could pay for it, but then I'd have no money in the bank, and I knew that I didn't want to go back to work just yet. Like I didn't I didn't know how I was going to be able to like do all of it at once. In hindsight, I would have just spent the extra ten, and I would have gone down back to Hope for Cancer um, because they just do so much more over there. Honestly with the hair analysis, like, I didn't realize it then, but you get more bang for your buck by going down there. And I'm not a spokesperson, although Dr. Tony, if you're listening, (laughs) I'm available. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in hindsight, I would go back down and I've shared this with you too. Like I would love to go down there just for a, a week of, like a tune up, I call it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So for those reasons, I will say the Gerson therapy was what I needed because I was, I had so many bad habits with my eating that it's almost like I needed the most radical thing to completely help me shift my view on food. And I think that if I had not done the Gerson therapy, I would be more apt to like cheat and, you know, slip up here and there because, um, when I spoke, spoke to the doctors, I hope for cancer, they were like, yeah, we don't do the Gerson therapy here because it's too difficult to maintain and your quality of life suffers. And I think I just would be too gratuitous with like an olive oil pour or, you know, an overindulgence of nuts, especially in the beginning. I would have eaten all of those things instead of going for the salads, and And I need to learn. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Well, well, I needed to learn how to fall in love with a vegetable.
0: Yeah, right. And Um, and so I'm just curious where where you are with that now today. Now that you've eased out of the rigid Gerson therapy method, do you allow yourself nuts and olive oil? Like, do you allow yourself what we're going to quote unquote cheats or treats, things like that?
1: Yeah. So, um, I don't do olive oil still. Um, I am, so I have a Gerson practitioner, so she's an expert in all things Gerson. And every month we look at my labs and we kind of make decisions of like what we can add. So I am allowed to have avocado now, which by the way, I cried when they gave me back avocado. I would
0: cry too with joy.
1: Say. Yes. Um, so I do avocado and I do some nuts. I do almonds and um pecans and walnuts. I don't do cashews yet, even though I love them, because the mold, right? Like mm-hmm. there can be a mold issue with that. Um I st- for my birthday, we went out and I had a vegan double cheeseburger from True Food. Oh, I've so, had
0: that one. It's quite good.
1: <laughs> quite delicious, right? So I have allowed myself over the two years, I think in two years, I had um, three or four trips to the sushi place to get my favorite sushi. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't make it, like I said, maybe four times in two years, though I've done that on days where I've just felt like, if I can't allow myself to enjoy something every now and again, what was the whole point of me getting healed? What's the whole, like, I need to be able to live and feel enjoyment in life. So I do, but I, I don't do it often. I really don't. And, and the other reason too, um, Carly is because triple negative has such a high rate of recurrence. The risk of recurrence with triple negative is, so I'm, I'm always looking like it's a race to five years, and then it's a race to 10 years, and then it's a race to 20 years. And, um, and there's not many people that, as a matter of fact, I have not been able to find a person who has healed naturally, who has not had a recurrence of triple negative. And I've said, well, I guess I have to be her. And so if I have to be her, if I'm going to be her, then it means I have to be committed to this way of being.
0: I honor that. You are her and it's beautiful watching your journey unfold. Thank
1: you. And, and one of the, I
0: mean, on that same note, one of the things that you and I have spoken about a bit is, is survivor's guilt. Hmm. I've stayed at two different clinics. I've had Friends pass, um, people I become very close to because you're going through something similar and you, you bond deeply with one another. Um, You identify in one another, you know, women, uh, one of my good friends was younger than me with three children and she passed and it's, it's it's heartbreaking. And I, and I know for you, Michelle, one of your, your dear friends, she didn't make it. And I, and I remember you sharing that story on, on Instagram and the heartbreak that you experienced through that. So I'm curious, how, how do you process that grief and and survivor's guilt in your own journey?
1: Well, first I let myself feel it and Mm -hmm. I don't try to bypass it. Um, And I also remind myself what guilt is right? Why? Why does guilt exist in the first place? Well, guilt is actually, you know, I have a, a concentration in neuroscience. So
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so I love it. I do neuroscience coaching. Um, so first, we have to evaluate what is guilt? Like, why does it? Why does it exist as a function of the brain? And it really exists as a function to help you break bad habits. Hmm. So when I start to feel guilty about. Um, you know, us losing Michelle, then it allows me to examine what is it that I'm doing that I need to break in order to honor Michelle? No. yeah, Right. Yeah. Have I drank my juices today? No, I have not. So honoring them, I better go make my juice when we get off these calls and like honor her because she didn't make it. And But I am here. And so what's the thing that I can do to just be like, I, I'm going to drink this for you. I don't feel like juicing, but I'm going to juice because I can and you can't. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to focus in on that. And then I just remind myself that um, I am here to still give hope. And I also remind myself that God does things and we don't always understand because we are just like, we're a speck in a huge, huge plan, right? Like we're just a dot (laughs) on, on something that we can't even think to explain. And I think about how my own mother passed away when I was young and how I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it for a really long time. Like, why did that have to happen? And then I realized like, oh, I had a much better life because she wasn't here, right? Mm-hmm. Because she lived on food stamps in the ghetto. And when she passed away, I moved to a really affluent neighborhood in Queens. And, you know, I had all these opportunities that I wouldn't have had. And so, yes, I had other trauma, I had other challenges, but I don't think I would be where I am today. I know I wouldn't be where I am today if, I, if my mother had not died. And so that's why that had to happen. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we don't see why something happens. We don't even see it in our lifetime. But if we look at our family history, we can see like, oh, well, when this tragedy happened, my grandmother then kind of pulled up her bootstraps and that's what made her who she is. And that's why all these strong women came after her. Mm -hmm. So I just try to remind myself that this is. One small moment, one small event in a much bigger picture that I don't know. It's a much bigger story and I don't know how it unfolds and it's not my business.
0: Yeah. And, and, and for me, I, I always think that, um, you know, I'm not, like you said, I'm not in control here, that I'm surrendered to something so much larger. And so while I am here, I'm going to use my voice in a powerful way and do everything I can to not only heal my body, but then to take everything that I've learned on this journey and and pay it forward yeah. um, to others along the way. So I I see you doing that and I honor you for doing that. And I'm I'm right there walking that course with you. And I absolutely love the idea of just um remembering those who have passed and we honor them in our daily our daily actions and and I do the same with my father who who passed away and I just think you know I always think with with building alchemy in the business he was a businessman he would love it and sometimes I get you know sad like Man, I wish I would have done this earlier. And why couldn't I have I've gotten my stuff together while he was still here? And and I just think, no, I'm going to honor him because I know that there's there's a a plan that I so much bigger than what I can fathom. And he he is a part of this. We actually named one of our juicers after him because I know that he is orchestrating this in some incredible, incredible way. And that he's a part of it, even if he's not physically here. So yes, yes to all of
1: that. I that. <laughs> and I just I really honor you. I tell you what, like you truly are. Every time I look at what you what you've done and what you have built, I'm like, where does she have the energy? Like, what? what do, I'm, I need to get on her program. And by the way, speaking of your program, I love your detox program. So listeners, if you haven't gotten it, can they still get it?
0: We start again in July.
1: Oh, well, So this will be out by then. Mm -hmm. Tick tock. Go ahead and start saving your pennies right now. I don't know when this is going to air, but get in Carly's program. You're a wonderful teacher and you just make it so easy. You provide like you can't mess it up.
0: Oh, thank you, sister. I appreciate that. So, um, before we wrap up, I'm curious about, um, where we can find you and connect with you and you know, what you have coming up that, you know, I know you, you are a master journaling, journaler. (laughs) I have done your journaling course. Tell us where to find you.
1: Oh, journaling. Yes. Okay. Well, definitely visit my podcast permission to offend. If you like my vibe, then you'll enjoy that. Those conversations over there. And follow me on Instagram at Girl Confident. And then uh, to learn more about my journaling program, you can go to myfaithactivated.com.
0: Awesome. And is there anything final you want to say before we wrap this episode up? Any wisdom, humor, any, anything you want to share as we, ra- as we close out today?
1: Yes. Um, don't ignore that little feeling. Hmm. If you feel something is uh, a little off and nobody else sees it and and, and you think that, listen, go check it out. It would be better that it turns out to be nothing than you ignore it and it turns out to be something catastrophic.
0: I love it. Appreciate you so much. Thank Thank you for your time.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you so
0: much for joining me for today's episode. To keep the conversation going, come say hello over on Instagram at at carlyloveskale or visit carlybrownwellness.com. Several times a year, I offer a program called The Daily Detox, which integrates and teaches many of the practices that you are learning in these podcast episodes. To learn more about that program, you can visit my website, carlybrownwellness.com, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.